Well, good morning, everyone. So good to see you, and, and good morning if you're watching online. Uh, my name is Josh Stone, the pastor of Young Adults. Uh, and if you are between, well, between your high school graduation and your first child, that's kind of the young adult life stage, I would love to meet you afterwards in the, in the foyer um, just to you know, get a face with a name and also invite you to be part of our Young Adult Community 707. Um, Before we get started, we're in Romans chapter 6 today in our series, Right with God. I did want to uh, briefly address the recent Supreme Court ruling uh, declaring uh, a a legal right for same-sex couples to be married. Now, uh, uh, Pastor Chad's not, he's out of town. Pastor Rick's out of town. So initially, I was like, not going to touch it. But um, I do think it would be something that we need to say. And do keep an eye out for the blog and questions like, well, how does this affect our church? How does this affect what we do here? How does this affect how we preach? But to keep an eye on the blog, I do want to say a couple things. Um, Remember that if you're a follower of Jesus, you are first and foremost citizens of the kingdom of Christ, but residents of the USA. So we have a deep heart for the United States, but ultimately our citizenship is with Christ in his kingdom. Um, you know, with, you know, many people are struggling with this. I know my, my, my dad included is really struggling uh, just with what he views as the, the kind of the moral decline of America. Um, and maybe you feel that way. You're like, man, I feel like things are just going down in, in our country. And know that, you know, if God's playing chess, he has not lost his queen piece, Okay. God, you know, his enemy has been in checkmate for 2,000 years, and he has not lost a piece. We're okay. God is, has everything under control. He knows what's best. He's strong, and he's powerful. But I think the, the recent ruling will make it exceedingly difficult for, uh, for Christians to live a life um, following Christ. And a lot of times our beliefs that was taught in Scripture are going to be more dissonant to our culture. It's going to sound more and more strange, and maybe it might even sound um, wrong. But um, we have confidence in Christ. He died, rose again. We have our scripture, so we can have confidence to continue on in the task before us. Like, our task has remained the same. Love God, love others, make disciples of the world, serve the world. Those things are the same. You're still a life house. You're still praying for your 10 names on your 10, Live New 1024 card. You're still card, called to, to be the Christian that you are in your community. So I just wanted to make those comments. Um, there'll be more to come on the recent Supreme Court ruling from our pastors. But before that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are so good. Um, you are, I'm, we have full confidence in you and in your power and in your wisdom. Lord, help us by your spirit to know your will, to do your will. Lord, help us to be a people deeply, deeply marked by love. Lord, may we love with open hands, open arms. Lord, may we have um, a a burning desire to serve everyone, Lord, and, and, and all that so that people can see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Lord, we want to bring you glory. That's what we're all about. So help us to do that. And Lord, as we look at Romans 6, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what uh, your scripture has for your people today. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen. So many of you might have been, um, you know, followed through with us in our series, Right With God. 
And maybe for the first time, you have put your faith and trust in Jesus and have become right with God. And we celebrate that. We're excited. And then also many of you said, hey, I've been right with God for many years, many decades. And some of this is a reaffirmation and a a new perspective of what God has done through Jesus Christ. But no matter where you are, if you're a follower of Jesus, we all, this question always comes up. If I'm right with God, why do I keep on sinning? Now, sin is going, breaking the good design that God has for our lives or in our own lives. It's doing things we know we shouldn't do or not doing things we know we should do. And we all struggle with that. If we're, I'm right with God, so why do I keep on sinning? Well, I am really excited to share with you today on Romans 6, because in Romans 6, chapter, should be Romans 6, verse 11, has been one of the most impactful verses in my life as a Christian. I remember in college 10 years ago, seriously, and I didn't go to college when I was 15, 10 years ago, um, I uh, was reading through the, the, the Bible for one year, read through the whole thing. And when I got to Romans chapter 6, verse 11, it was like, it was like a spice that I had never tasted before, thinking, why don't I put this on everything? It totally changed the way I view myself and the way I view my relationship to sin, even though I'm right with God. So I'm really excited to share with you this morning. Well, before we jump into chapter 6, do a little review from last week. Pastor Chad talked about being in Adam and being in Christ. Every one of us was born in sin because we were born in Adam. Adam was the first man who broke God's commandment, the one commandment he gave them. And because of that, sin entered our world like a disease. And every one of us has contracted that disease at birth. And by our sinning, we are in Adam. And death reigns in our lives. Not only physical death, but spiritual death. Uh, Death in our relationships, death in our families, in our minds, and in our hearts. But through faith and trust in Jesus, we can move from being in Adam to being in Christ. Covered underneath the new life that is in Christ. And we are united with Christ, and through faith in him, our sins are forgiven, your record is washed clean, and your dead heart has been given new life. And it kind of begs the question a little bit. Okay, so if I'm, I was in Adam, and now I'm in Christ, can I just like do whatever I want? Do I have the golden ticket to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory and I can just like just live the life that I feel like I want to live? Well, that's the question that Scripture gives us in Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 1. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 6. And also, if you don't have your Bibles, uh, the text will be on the screen. Read with me, starting in verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, 
just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So Paul is saying that those of you who have been baptized with Christ, and now baptized is just Paul's shorthand for being saved. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, that means your life, your life that was in Adam has died on the cross with Jesus Christ. All the sin, all the shame has been put onto Christ and even need your life was put on the cross of Jesus Christ and he died. That's what we, talk, we call justification. Our sins were paid for by Jesus on the cross. And not only that, Jesus was buried and when you bury someone, what do you do? You, you never see that person again. And all that body is gone. The scripture says we are buried with Christ. Our sins are buried. They are gone. But we have been raised to new life with Christ. And not only have our sins been forgiven, but we have been given the righteousness and the reputation and the inheritance of Jesus. That's what we call imputed righteousness that Pastor Rick talked about a number of weeks ago. So in through faith and trust in Jesus, in Jesus, our sins, we died with Christ. Our, we, our sins are taken care of. We have been buried. They are no more. And then we have been raised with Christ to be given a new life. And this is something that we could never have done, right? Jesus, he killed the giant, he slayed the dragon, something that you or I could have never done, and now we are freed to live new. Okay, how do I tap into that new life? <laughs> Some of us feel like, hey, I know that, that you know, that's happened, I feel like my sins have been forgiven, but how do I live new? How do I draw the power and the strength to live a life that brings blessing and kindness to all those around me. And this is where we get into that verse that impacted me so much. So look with me, chapter 6, verse 10. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin, and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let me read that verse 11 again. You also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. See, this verse is packed full with such joy-magnifying and sin-destroying power. We're just going to wring this verse out for the next couple minutes. When it says, you must consider, this word consider is also translated count or reckon or account or reconcile, and it's the Greek word logizomai. It's the Greek word that we get our word for logic. And this, this Greek word was, is used for, you know, think about logic when it comes to law, but also accountants and bookkeepers would use legizomai. They would legizomai their purchase orders, making sure that all their debits and all their credits line up. If you were a first century person, you would legizomai your 
first century checking account, making sure, right, the money you've spent and the money you've deposited all line up. We, it's, a, it's, a, it's something we, rec- we consider, we reconcile, we think through. And this word is in the Greek is in the present middle imperative. And for all you non-English majors, that means it's something we do now and something you must do. It's a command, but we do continually. So what this scripture is saying is that every day, right now, every, all the time, we are to consider or reckon or account ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So every day we are to consider ourselves dead to sin, dead to the power of sin, to the control of sin, to the identity as a sinner, to the accusation of sin, and to your history of sin. We have been justified through Christ. So we must view our sin like that a half squished groundhog I passed on Pleasant Valley Road this morning. Right, that groundhog is donezo. It is dead. It is not. It has no power over me to eat things in my garden or to, you know, torment the dog or whatever. It is completely dead. It's gone. And we then every day continually are to consider, reckon, account ourselves alive to God in Christ Jesus. We are animated by God's Spirit. And we're compelled through struggles by the power of God. We are a new child of a new father. We are a citizen of a new kingdom. We're cut out of a new cloth, made of a new substance, and sent out as messengers of the king. See, we have Christ's righteousness and his reputation and his inheritance given to us. Right? We have to consider Christ in our lives, like I see those little fawns skipping and running around the suburbs this time of year. They're alive. That is Christ in our lives. And the key to freedom from sin is that legizomai is considering, recognizing, reconciling that we're dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let me try to illustrate this. Imagine you, when your early days, were totally reckless with your finances, right? You, you signed up for one of those credit cards, and like if you sign up for a credit card, they give you a t-shirt, you know, and then you got the credit card, and you're like, oh, f- you know, free money, and, and that was just the start of a long, long decade of more debt and more debt and more debt. And maybe some of you are in that situation right now where you see your debt and you think, how am I ever going to overcome this debt in my entire life? Well, this person, when you're on the, when you're on the cusp of financial ruin, every time that mail carrier comes by, puts some of those envelopes with that clear thing in the front, your heart begins to, to be a little faster. Right? You're, you begin to be gripped with fear, not knowing what bill, what notice is going to come in the mail. And every time you get a call, you're afraid it's going to be another debt collector, another angry voicemail that you're going to have to listen to for a couple seconds and delete. And your life is gripped in fear and anxiety, thinking, 
how am I going to pay this month's rent? I'm going to be on the street at any moment. Well, one day, a man, well-dressed man in a suit comes to your house and says, there has been an anonymous donor who has just given you $100 million. And I've put it in your bank account. Everything's all set. Have a nice day. Yeah, we're all like, yeah, put me in that story, right? But what happens the next day? That mail carrier puts something in your mailbox and your heart begins to speed up. And you get that voicemail and your phone says, new voicemail from an unknown number. What do you do? You begin to sweat and panic. Why? Because you've trained yourself and your life has been gripped by this fear of money even though you've got $100 million in the bank, even though you've got all this debt, you've got all this inheritance. See, you have to consider yourselves dead to poverty and alive to financial stability. Every day, you'll probably get your banking app and look at your bank and think, man, there's more zeros than uh, my phone has ever seen, right? This is wonderful because you now have a new financial life. Let me give you another illustration. Imagine you were way too young and way too foolish, and you got married way too young to a man that you really didn't know. And it didn't take long to realize that this man you married is a wicked man. He's a drunk. He's aggressive. He's angry. He's abusive to you. He's abusive to your children. He's vindictive. He's controlling. You would love to run, take the kids and run, but you're pretty confident he will hunt you down and it will be worse than before. So every day when the garage door goes up and he comes home from work, you break into a sweat, knowing your world's about to get turned upside down. And when he calls your name throughout the house, you panic. You want to take the kids and run, but you know you can't. But imagine that husband goes off one night on a drinking binge and drinks himself to death. He dies. Well, some years later, you're kind of settling out, and you meet this man. You start showing up at church, maybe you meet this man. He's a nice guy. And maybe against your better judgment, you go out on a date with him. That relationship grows, begins to blossom. He proposes, and to your own surprise, you say yes. Well, after the honeymoon, he leaves for work and comes home, and that garage door begins to go up, and you fall into a panic again. And when he calls your name throughout the house, you still want to take those kids and run, not realizing that this new husband, he's got a bouquet of flowers, some takeout Chinese food, and a Redbox DVD, right? He's, he's planned a family movie night. Well, see, that new bride, she must legizomai. She must consider herself dead to that old marriage and alive to that new loving husband. She needs to every day look at that new wedding ring and say, my life is completely different. It's the truth. It doesn't matter how I feel at the moment. You see, that's what happened with us. See, we had a pile of debt from sin that we would never be able to pay, but Christ has given us his wealth so that now we can live a new life. As scripture says, we were married to an old, wicked husband, who say, his name is Satan, 
But through faith and trust in Jesus, we have died to him and we now live a new life, but we have to act like a new spouse. We have to legizomai, think about our new life in Jesus. And you know, that's easier said than done. I think, each, I think all of us would agree. Well, I think maybe looking at, at this concept thus far, it might appear maybe that this is something that just happens in the mind, like, like a thinking exercise. And that we have to consider ourselves dead to sin. It's kind of just a, something we do in our minds. But we actually see the very next verse that considering ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus is not just something we think about and it stays in the mind, but whoever gets this concept, it immediately manifests itself in good works. Look with me. Verse 12. Do not let sin, therefore, reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. See, scripture tells us that we aren't to let sin set up reign or set up a kingdom in our bodies, but we're to present our members to God as instruments of righteousness. Now, what is members? Members is, is all those pieces that make up what it means to be a person, our hands, our feet, our eyes, our mouth, our body, as well as our mind, our resources, our relationships, and our networks. See, the scripture saying here is that previously, before Jesus, we offered our members as instruments or tools of unrighteousness. And uh, Douglas Moo, he's a, he's a famous New Testament scholar, says, no, we, this word instruments really should be translated weapons. Elsewhere in the New Testament, New Testament is translated as weapons. So previously, we offered our members as weapons for the kingdom of sin. But through Jesus Christ, we can now offer our members as weapons for the kingdom of God. See, we are at war with sin. Growing in Christ-likeness, growing in our relationship with Jesus is going to be something that happens, you know, less like the picturesque scenery of the beaches of South Carolina and more like the battlefield on the beaches of Normandy. We are at war with sin. My question for you is, are you at war with sin? Or has it become that ugly lamp in the corner you just kind of deal with? The reality is that ugly lamp is emitting deadly fumes throughout your entire life, and unbeknownst to you, it's affecting your life and the life of your family. You see, we are to offer our members, our hands, our feet, our eyes, our mind, our relationships, we are offer them as weapons for, to God in his kingdom. How do we do that? Your tongue, 
when you consider you are, that you are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, your tongue is now used to encourage your child and not cut him down. Your mind, you begin to meditate on the goodness of God, not ruminate on the old hurts in your life. Your eyes begin to be used to behold the beauty and handiwork of God and not leer at other people's bodies in inappropriate ways. Your hands begin to be used to serve the needy, care for those around you, clasp your hands in prayer with your family rather than tap away on an Xbox controller or a TV remote. Young guys, I'm talking to you. Your sexual organs, well, how do you use those for weapons in the kingdom of God? Well, you have a really healthy sex life if you're married. Well, I'm not married. Well, awesome. Then you get to proclaim to the world that, you, that your life is more significant than your sex life. That you can have a purpose apart from a sexual partner. That's the gospel. And I tell you what, our culture won't believe that unless it's shown that in the lives of our single people. It's, it's important. All right, let's keep going. Verse, verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you are present, excuse me, if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So here Paul gives us his own illustration on slavery. See, during the writing of the book of Romans, uh, the city of Rome was what uh, historians call a slave state. Over 30% of the inhabitants of Rome were slaves. Now, though Roman slavery was somewhat different than the wicked slavery that mars the American history, it has some similarities. One of them meaning, whatever your master says, you got to do. And what Scripture is telling us is that previously we were a slave to sin. Whatever sin told us, we can kind of fight it, but we will obey that master sin. But now through Christ, we have become slaves of God and slaves of righteousness. Now, as Americans, we don't like this illustration, right? We don't like to be slaves of anybody. We're autonomous. We're free people. But what Scripture tells us is not the question of, should I retain my freedom or give it up and submit to God? But rather, the question is this, should I serve sin or should I serve God? In the words of the famous theologian, Bob Dylan, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. If you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus, you have been born in slavery through Adam. But the offer is yours to have your ownership transferred from 
a wicked slave master to one who ultimately calls you son. Verse 20. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, when, we were, when you were slaves to sin, and maybe if you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, you still are. The salary, the paycheck that we got from slavery to sin is death. Death in your body, death in your heart, death in your relationships, death in your life. But if you have been transferred from slavery to sin to a slave of God, you don't get a salary, you get a free gift. And that free gift is eternal life. And that eternal life can be experienced now. It's something that is, is now and will carry on for eternity. It's like this. You're really, really hungry, and you go up to the bakery, a, fre- a, a delicious bakery. I, my, my, wife and always, my wife and I always enjoy to go to Michelangelo's over on Broadview Road. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. And it's like you're going up to the bakery. It's 7.58. You're getting out of your car. You can smell the bread, but they don't open till 8. You know, you can see the bread. You know it's in there. You can smell it wafting out of the door. You can experience it to a degree, but you got to wait a little bit in order to fully experience one of those hot, fresh French baguettes. That's where we're at right now. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can experience it. You can call people to it. You can, enjoy, you can picture what it's like in eternity, but you have to live what it's like now. Live as if Christ, Christ's reign is already fully present. That's what we're called to do as Christians. The salary you get for serving sin is death in all areas of your life, but in Christ, you don't get a salary, you get a free gift of eternal life. Well, you know, though we're not shackled to sin, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not shackled to sin on a chain gang that's serving the purposes of sin. But if you're a follower of Jesus, sin, sin is still there. Scripture says it entangles us. Like if you're walking in a metro parks and you get wrapped up in a briar patch, where those briars dig into your leg, can cause you to bleed. Ultimately, it's not going to kill you, but we want to get rid of it, right? But I want to give you something that hopefully is going to help you um, apply what we learn through Romans chapter 6 today. It's these two charts. First is uh, the cir- called the circle of sin. And I know I was talking with Brian Karras uh, yesterday. He was helping me tile my floor. And he's like, you know, your chart kind of sounds like an 80s heavy metal metal cover band. I'm like, yeah, so maybe it's a pathway to sin, trying to overlook that. Um, Every one of us sins. We all sin. It's going to happen. But for some of us, guilt 
floods our heart and floods our mind. But if you're a follower of Jesus, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, guilt has no place in your life. Guilt is not from God. Guilt is from the flesh or from the devil. Why? Because guilt tells you to focus on your sin. You say, look what I've done. I'm terrible. I'm dirty. I'm wicked. I'm disgusting. I'm worthless. It, the biggest part, when you look to guilt, the biggest power that you see is the power of sin. And what that leads is to shame in your life and separation. Okay, I, I need to go somewhere and clean myself up. I need to kind of pull myself up from my bootstraps. I need to sep somehow separate myself from my sin. I need to work harder, make it right, make myself worthy of love. You know what, that, you know what happens then? That leads to distance from God. And distance from God always leads to more sin. You just repeat this ad nauseum and you begin to be more and more separated from the source of life. Well, there's another path you can take. Path to new life. It starts the same place, sin. If you're a follower of Jesus, you don't have to sin, but you probably will sin. But a follower of Jesus, after we sin, conviction. That's what the Holy Spirit brings. And what conviction does is tell us not to look at the sin, but to focus on the cross. And that's the key. That's where we consider and reckon ourselves dead to sin. You see, as followers of Jesus, the power of the cross and the work of the cross, that's the controlling power in our life. And when we consider that we're dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, we look at his love and we look at his kindness and the free gift of justification and imputed righteousness. He is the one who's given us $100 million and given us a new marriage. And when we look and focus on the cross, what happens in our heart is gratitude. We become so thankful for Jesus. And we become so thankful for his free gift of grace. And when we have grat gratitude, the next thing is we repent. We, I'm going back to that good God who saves me and loves me. And we turn from our sin and go back to God. And what produces, what's produced next is greater God dependence. We get closer to God and rely on God for every, every aspect of our life. And when we have greater God dependence, we have freedom in our life and we begin to live a new life. The key to this whole thing is considering the cross. Considering that if you're a follower of Jesus, you are dead to sin and you are alive to God in Christ Jesus. And if you're here and you've, you've maybe never considered the cross, you say, I understand what you're talking about, about sin. I get guilt. I definitely know shame and separation, but I, I don't know that turning back to God. If that's you today, you're a slave to sin. And I plead with you, Become a slave of God. 
Because the New Testament tells us in the final discussion, the final conversation Jesus had with his followers before he went to the cross, he says, look, slaves, they don't know what their master's doing. But I call you friends because you know what I'm up to. And I've invited you in, invited you in to the plan, the good plan I have for the world. And if today you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus, I encourage you, this next song, just sing it out from the heart. Sing it out as if it is the first time that you are offering yourself to Christ. And if it is the first time, I want to meet you in the foyer. I just want to give you some next steps. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, you are so good. You have, you have done it for us. You're such a wonderful God. Thank you. Thank you that you have killed the sin, what we could never do ourselves. You've raised us up to new life. You've freed us to good works. You've bought us from our old slave master. Now we can serve you as sons and daughters of the king. Lord, you've given us your inheritance. Thank you. Thank you so much. But may we live that new life that comes from knowing who we are, knowing truth. Lord, even when we don't feel like it, may we be reminded that it's truth. It is truth that we're followers of Jesus, that we are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you that you've worked that in many of our lives. And thank you you've worked that in my own life. Lord, continue to work that in my own life. So that I and as a body, we can continually be dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus, so that you can release us the greater levels of good works. But we love you so much. Thank you. And we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.